This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the uh, broadcast. We have uh, Mike Lee on and Chris Stewart on this hour. They were both in an intelligence briefing yesterday. Um, and I just think something is wrong <clears throat> myself. Um, I have uh, I talked to Mike this morning. I haven't. Uh, I haven't talked to uh, Chris, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let me just say that we should have our supply line uh, covered. Okay, if you need medical assistance, we are already having problems uh, with things like amoxicillin. These are really important antibiotics that treat a whole list of things. JaceMedical.com, Jace, J-A-S-E, Medical.com can get all of the medicine that you need. These, the Jace case has five different antibiotics in it. Um, and I highly recommend that you have these on hand. Go to JaceMedical.com. Use the promo code Beck and save. JaceMedical.com. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Yesterday, there was a uh, confidential, top secret briefing in Washington. A few of my friends were in attendance. None of them will tell me exactly what happened, but they will tell you that they were confused. And this should not happen in an intelligence briefing. This, this, this is top secret in a skiff. You walk in, you're a senator, you're a congressman, and you're part of a very select group of people that are sitting there listening to the director of national intelligence giving you everything we know. You should not walk out of that room confused unless our administration is confused. My question is, are they too many questions? We are entering a very dangerous time Senator Mike Lee joins us in 60 seconds. Line's been drawn in the sand for quite a while now, and that line isn't between Democrat and Republican or conservative or liberal. It is between Americanism and leftism, plain and simple. One of the best ways to fight against leftism is to support businesses that hold the same values that you do. You know, look at all of the things, just, just in media, look at all of the things that the mainstream media for years have said are not going on. Their house of cards is falling apart now, completely falling apart. 
And meanwhile, the voices that you trust are growing. Same thing. We've got to support the people that are telling us the truth and working on our side. And when it comes to wireless mobile, there is only one Christian conservative mobile company out there. They share your values. They're not supporting leftist ideas. In fact, they put their money where their mouth is. They volunteer and go in and help stop things like the uh, sexualization of our children in our schools. But they also provide great mobile service, same great coverage, better customer service, and a better price. It's patriotmobile.com slash back, 878-PATRIOT, 878-PATRIOT, switch now, patriotmobile.com slash back. We go to Senator Mike Lee. Hello, Senator. How are you, sir? Doing great. Thank you very much, Glenn. Um, I want to give you a couple of uh, uh, headlines. U.S. intercepts four Russian warplanes yesterday near Alaska. The next headline, uh, U.S. warns it will defend the Philippines after Chinese laser was shot uh, at their Coast Guard. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Norway ro- uh, warns of growing importance of Russian nuclear deterrent. Uh, China's President Xi uh, conveyed his support yesterday for Iran during uh, a visit from the first visit from the Iranian uh, prime minister. Uh, we are we we are not in good shape. Do you and members of the intelligence uh, committee have any idea what's going on? Well, we know some things are going on. We know certain things are happening, but there's a whole lot we don't know. And in particular, there's a whole lot we don't know about the so-called objects brought down by fighter jets firing missiles over the weekend. And that was the focus of yesterday's classified briefing. Okay. So Mike, we we hear balloons. We hear that they now the Pentagon came out yesterday after your briefing and said, well, you know what? It's nothing. These are probably just commercial balloons. But we have the Canadians sending out the hazmat teams to look for this. And we hear this morning that they are UAPs, which I guess could be balloons. But usually those are, you know, uh, something solid. These were the size of of cars and they weren't balloons. They were metal. Is that true? Yeah. So, first of all, we don't really know what they are. I, I don't know how they claim now to know what their nature is, whether they're commercial, military, or uh, from some other origin, because they haven't found them. I, I suspect at this point that they're theorizing on what it might be. That was what was so frustrating yesterday is they held this classified briefing to tell us about what happened. And they showed up and basically said, we don't know what happened. We had all hoped and expected based on public statements that they had covered what was left of these objects and that they were studying them. Eh, they haven't found them, at least as of yesterday when they briefed us, they hadn't found them. They okay, still so, don't really know what they are. So wait, did they show you video? I don't know what you can and can't no, say. no. Come on, we launched missiles. We know we have the video from the cockpits. We know that. We repeatedly asked them about that. Can you show us anything by way of photographic uh, documentation of a a video footage, anything like that? They said, yeah, we've got some. It really isn't useful because the objects are so small, so far away. 
that the resolution doesn't really do anything for us. Then why would we shoot them down? It's an excellent question. Uh, So we we shot them down, not knowing what they were, just based on their altitude. We just knew that they were there. But I, I, I still can't fathom why it made sense to scramble fighter jets, shoot missiles at them, bring them down when we have no idea what they are okay so uh, they're they're apparently not that concerned about it or else uh, they'd be frantic and they're not that we found out last night that the united states government had been tracking that chinese balloon for over a week once it was launched from china we locked onto it and tracked it did they tell you that yesterday uh, there are things in there that I probably shouldn't repeat okay. from what I know, but it, but it, it it's um, it's safe to say that we, we did know before this thing hit the United States that it was in the air. Uh, it, uh, we, we were aware of it, and uh, uh, we knew what was happening. And so at that moment, they really should have brought the thing down. And it, at whatever moment they they realized um, that it was coming onto into the United States, and that it had the ability to collect data, uh, they should have brought it down. They, we kept hearing last week about the fact that, well, you know, we, it wouldn't have been safe to bring it down over the United States. Nonsense. Bull crap. Look, even at 60,000 feet, these things don't have a glide capacity. They're balloons. And so if you puncture the balloon, it's going to head straight down. Now, yes, there's a debris field, but there is a lot of space between Alaska, off the coast of Alaska, uh, 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 to be clear, and the rest of the United States, where there are miles and miles around, where there are no people. And uh, they should have brought it down. Here's what I think, Glenn. What I suspect is that these were makeup calls. They were compensating this last weekend for what they didn't do the previous week, which was take bold, aggressive action. Only they took the bold, aggressive action, it seems, on the wrong objects at the wrong time. Are we going to know? Do you think we're ever going to know this? I certainly hope so. It seems um, almost unbelievable to me that we shut down three of these things over the weekend. We didn't recover any of them. And if there was no immediate threat, as there apparently was, an explanation we've heard is that it entered the space where aviation happens. Yeah, okay, fine. Uh, That's understandable. Sometimes you need to bring things down, but there was no immediate threat. And that being the case, why couldn't they use a different kind of aircraft? Right. One that could observe it up close. Correct. uh, Before shooting it down. You can't really do that with a a fighter jet traveling at the speed of sound. I, you know, I I got it. I, I, I mean, it's like, it is like our government is being run by, you know, Mrs. Hoffelmeyer's fourth grade class. It, it, I mean, uh, it, and just the boys, because the girls would be a little smarter. The boys, it's just like, let's blow it up out of the sky. This is crazy talk. There is another uh, possibility here that they are using this, whatever it is, that they are using this to get people off of the Nord Stream pipeline uh, story from Seymour Hersh. And I don't know how much you can talk about it or, or what, uh, what you... Uh, no, but Mike, I find this extraordinarily concerning 
because there's only a few countries that could do it. None of them really had the incentive or they would have let us know if it was another country. Would you have gotten a briefing on that? Do you think if they would have told us? Uh, it's it's hard to say. I, I, we, we don't necessarily get those briefings just because they feel like it. Usually it's because a member is asking or because uh, there's been national news about something and they decide they need to brief all members. I'll tell you, I haven't gotten a briefing on this. I'm trying to get one. Um, uh, all of this, of course, uh, it goes back to this report published by uh, journalist Seymour Hirsch last week, um, uh, indicating that, uh, according to his story, uh, th- there were specialized U.S. Navy teams that planted explosives there and that the United States was responsible. I don't know whether this is true. I'm trying to ascertain whether it's true. Uh, but I will say this. Um, we need to approach a near-peer nuclear-armed geopolitical adversary with extreme caution. And so I, I would like to think that if we were going to do something like this, that there would be some sort of clear authorization from Congress. You see the chief executive, the president of the United States, commander-in-chief and all, doesn't have the ability to take us to war. I don't think it's a stretch to say that doing this, not just to Russia, a nuclear-armed, near-peer geopolitical adversary, it's all Europe. but it's also an attack on France and on Germany, and it affects yeah. a lot of Europe. I would like to think they'd get congressional authorization of some sort before doing that. Well, he said that there was a way around that, because obviously they should have done that if we were involved. I, I just don't believe that we that all of the allies... With all of our technology and everything else, we can't figure out, okay, it looks like it's probably these people. Um, I, I personally, because they're so zipped up about it, it's got to come from the West. And the only ones that can do it really are France or us or Great Britain. And those guys wouldn't do it. Um, uh, but, you know, you look, at, you look at this, Mike, and if, even if that's not true, can we find out if anything in that report is true far as that there are these secret to seal teams that can be trained off the books so Congress doesn't know about it? Yeah, look, I think there, there, there are a lot of details, uh, or at least enough details in the Seymour Hirsch piece that this should be fairly uh, amenable to being proven or disproven. Uh, because either certain things match up or they don't. It may be easier to disprove than to prove, but but I think that can get us a lot of the way there. And yeah, there are others who could have done it. I mean, in theory, it could have been China. Perhaps China wanted to make sure that it had access to more of Russia's natural gas and that it could get it mm. at a lower price. In theory, it could have been China. But uh, and, and there are a, a handful of others who it could have been. But um, this is worrisome to me, Glenn, for the simple reason. Look, I don't know Seymour Hirsch. I'm not familiar with any of the facts alleged uh, in his report. But there are a couple of things that worry me. Number one, on February 9th, 2022, President Biden, during a press conference, said that if, uh, if Russia attacks Ukraine, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. Uh, the journalist who had asked him the question about what he meant uh, was doing her job and followed up and said, what do you mean by that? Uh, that pipeline's under, you know, not under our control. 
And he reassured her, believe me, we have the means to do it. And, you know, it, it'll be done. It, there, it, it will not exist. Well, what? what? And so <laughs> when you couple that with the fact that in this country, we have for a long time seen overreaches by the executive to the point where a lot of people just accept now that in the name of a clandestine operation, the United States can effectively wage war without an act of Congress authorizing it. That really does concern me. Not that I am certain that we did this. It is, I'm certainly not. It's not that I can verify the Hirsch article. Because I can't. But it's that it really troubles me that I can't immediately rule it out. And you can't get a, uh, a briefing on it. Um, all right. Hang on just a second, Mike, because when we come back, I want to ask you, do we want to know? Stu and I were talking about this this morning and we were like, you know, the blue pill might be the one to take on this because mm-hmm. uh, this is a impeachable, maybe worse. Uh, it is uh, it's an act of war. Um, it's I don't know anybody that's going to fight against Russia be, if they attack us because we we blew up the pipeline. Europe, I mean, the world will hate us uh, and it means war. I, so I don't know. Do we want to know? And we'll come back uh, with Mike Lee for that answer in a minute. If pain is a part of your life, you may have gotten to the point where you really do believe that you have to take it lying down, sometimes literally. I'm here to tell you I understand that because I was right at the point where I'm like, I'm just going to lay down. Thank God I have a wife that is, she is such a sweet woman. She gets tired of listening to me gripe about things um, because... I gripe about a lot of stuff, Um, but if it wasn't for her, I might never have tried Relief Factor and got my life back. Listen, please, please just try it. If it doesn't work, yes, you're out $20, but $20, what is that? If you can get your life back, 70% of the people who try it find the relief and go on to order month after month. So please just try it. I didn't believe it worked for me either relieffactor.com relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief 800 the number four relief 1995 relieffactor.com feel the difference 10 seconds station id all right mike lee do we want to know look I think the American people do deserve to be in charge of their government. I agree with that. It is very much a mixed bag because, as you uh, alluded to before the break, um, the answer to this question, if it turns out that the United States was responsible, has very dire consequences. And, and I don't, I'm not even talking yet about what happens within our government, what the consequences there might be. Uh, but I is, just this, is this rise to... Stage, does this rise to more than an impeachable offense? Uh, quite possibly, yes. I, I, I believe it does. Because if you go to such great lengths to engage in, in an attack, a, a provocative offensive attack on a near-peer nuclear-armed geopolitical adversary, and you do so uh, in a manner that violates our Constitution, because that's as I see it anyway, it seems to me like an act of war. Yeah. Last I checked, it, 
war can't be just declared, just decided by a president. And sure, I, I know clandestine operations happen. Discrete military strikes are something different yeah. than something provocative on this scale that inevitably lead to and, in fact, are war. So if we would find out that this is even a real possibility, um, what happens? What do we do? How do we tell our allies? How do we tell Russia so we can kind of before we say it, say, I'm going to tell you something, but you got to promise not to be mad. Uh, I mean, we've got to, you know, in that case, we have to promise that you're not going to launch a nuclear strike. How how do we tell them this? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's part of what makes this such a difficult thing. But one thing I do know is that ignorance is never uh, something that's going to put us in a position of strength. No. And I do think it's important that we get answers on this. I, I would like to know. And, and whether we end up finding out or not, whether this thing is buried so far, uh, so deep by the military intelligence industrial complex in Washington that we can't get to it, whether we find out or not, whether we did it or not, I think it's very important for us to have this national conversation. It is. Because for decades, we've seen this gradual uh, accretion of power within the executive branch when it comes to the war powers. And increasingly, Glenn, the way wars are fought these days, you don't typically have soldiers lined up on a battlefield mm-hmm. in, in corresponding parallel columns. No, you, you've, got, um, you've got stuff like this. This is war in the 21st century. And so we need to have a national conversation about the fact that today, as at the time, time of the founding, uh, we need our Congress, the people's representatives, to make the decision about going to war. And uh, clandestine operations need to be reined in to something truly discreet. This one wasn't. Mike Lee, um, thank you so much for everything you're doing. And uh, we pray for you and uh, we'll keep you in our prayers for your safety as you Continue to go down this uh, this road. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Glenn. Take care. Bye bye. Do you want to know? It's like it's almost as if if we don't, if it did happen, and we don't expose it, then we get what we deserve. Yeah, I mean, of course, I want to know, but there's there's that feeling of you know, I mean, of course, you know, Russia knows. If if our media is starting to know, then Russia knows too. Yeah. The question is, if it becomes public. And it becomes obvious to everybody that Russia has to respond. To, they have to. To, to, you know, to do something for their own people. And that response, even if it is, you but, know. But uh, maybe the people can temper our response to theirs. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like, okay, we deserve that. It's a dark road, though. It's a very dark yeah. road. Yeah. Very, I mean, very look, dark The blue road. pill was the right one to take. Yeah. I mean, he was an idiot. <laughs> hey, just take the freaking blue pill and get along like everybody else. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> look at me. I'm in my pod. Uh, all right. How do you improve on some product that is really good? I don't know, but Mike Lindell has done it with his My Pillow. Uh, I have to tell you, My Pillow is the best it stays fluffed up i don't know how it does but you put your your hands your fists through each side and it fluffs up and then you can kind of shape it and it stays there it's crazy mike now has a new and improved version of my pillow 
MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable feel of the original pillow, but now has brand new exclusive fabric that is made with temperature regulating thread. I mean, the world is just getting crazy. MyPillow 2.0. Buy one, get one free for a limited time now with the promo code BECK. Made with temperature regulating technology, so it's not going to get hot. 100% made in the USA. Pillow comes with 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. Get the buy one, get one free offer on MyPillow 2.0. Enter the promo code back, or you can call them 800-966-3117. Go to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, and you'll save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. We have Congressman Chris Stewart on uh, with us now. Uh, he is a military veteran and uh, and also a member of the Intel community. And he is going to tell us what he can about the briefing that they had yesterday about these UFO balloons that no one has claimed so far. Yesterday, all of a sudden, on a dime, the Pentagon starts saying, oh, no, these were probably balloons, commercial and we just blew them up and no big deal. What the hell is that? Wait, wait you just spent days telling us these were possibly dangerous UFOs. Chris Stewart joins us now. Hello, Chris. Hey, good morning, Glenn. <laughs> did you walk out with an understanding of what's going on? No, no one did. And honestly, you say, uh, I'm going to tell you what I can tell you, and I can tell you everything. It was an unclassified briefing, and very, very little information was shared. I mean... I, I can't think of a, a recent example where so much has been said about so little. And at the end of the day, you kind of scratch your head and go, oh, these guys don't know what they are. Uh, and honestly, Glenn, I think I think they're happy for the diversion. Uh, in fact, I know that they are. Because yep. instead of talking about the Chinese spy balloon that they botched completely and the policy that should surround that, we're speculating and talking about UFOs and and weather balloons and and uh, and again, they're happy to have that conversation rather than the more significant one of, of previous week. Well, I want to uh, talk to you about two things from the previous week that I do believe this is working out well. But I, I just want to get to as much of the bottom of this as we can. Um, it, um, we had uh, Crenshaw coming out yesterday, and he said that um, that these were. Uh, UAPs. Now, UAPs are usually what we used to call UFOs. They're not balloons. And he said they were the size of an ATV. They were hard to detect. Um, at least two of them were. Um, did did you? Are these balloons, or do we do we really not know what they are? How are they describing these? Yeah, they described them as UAPs as well. And by the way, why did we change it from UFO? Why does it have to be complicated? UFOs worked fine, and now we all struggle to go, okay, what, what does UAP mean? But that's how they described them. I think they probably were balloon, balloons. And, and let me tell you why. And again, I don't know that, but uh, common sense kind of leads to that conclusion. The fact that they were so difficult to detect by radar would make sense and fall in line with them being balloons. 
because balloons won't reflect for radar. And for radar to work, especially on a on a fighter aircraft, there has to have there has to be motion, there has to be speed in the in the target. That that's actually what the radar is detecting. And these balloons were so slow that uh, that's often why they missed them or why they would have anomalies where they'd see them for a short time and then not see them again. So over the last week or so, they tuned some of the radars down, and and, and by that they're able to to pick up some of these slower flying objects. Which once again leads me to believe they were likely balloons, and right, you know, but but that doesn't mean they weren't nefarious. I think it's possible. In fact, my own conclusion from the, the entirety of what I know is they probably were once again smaller Chinese spy balloons that these guys just decided to flood flood the zone, if you will, while we were kind of looking. And and there's only one reason for doing that, or at least one main political reason, and that's really kind of to poke us in the eye. And to say, yeah, you shot down this big one, but we've got others, and we're going to send them over there when we want to. Uh, I, I don't know that that's true. Uh, no one knows if that's true or not. But I don't think that's an unreasonable conclusion based on what we do know. Um, so let's talk about what we, um, what they would like to us not to talk about, and that is the incompetence. We found out last night that the United States was monitoring that spy balloon uh, up to a week before it entered our airspace, we, I guess, locked onto it just after its launch. So we knew yeah. what it was the yeah, entire time. Exactly right. It, we knew what it was, and we also knew where it was going. You could, those, those winds aloft are very predictable. They don't, they don't vary much. Uh, and you can track a route where that balloon is going to go. We would have known within probably a few hundred miles and maybe within a few dozen miles where that balloon would end up. And you know the interesting thing about this, and the, and the thing that should concern us, is two things. Number one, they weren't going to tell the American people, hey, there's a very sophisticated Chinese spy balloon loitering over Maelstrom Air Force Base, one of our missile fields. And the second thing, Glenn, they were still going to send Anthony Blinken to China. Mm-hmm. They were not going to say anything, and they were not going to protest. They were still going to send him to China at a time when China had deliberately timed this balloon to be over our nation when he was going to be in China. Uh, talk about a poke in the eye. Talk about a power play to say, yeah, we'll host your secretary, but while we do, look what we're going to put over some of your most sensitive military installations. Unbelievable to me the administration didn't shoot it down before it entered uh, over our mainland airspace. I mean, Chris, this makes sense, though, if you're, if you're testing what uh, our president actually believes in. You know, he says that the biggest geopolitical threat uh, to the world is global warming. So he's got he's got his guy going over to talk about global warming. And the Chinese are like, well, does he really believe this is the biggest geopolitical threat? Because if he does, he won't shoot it down. And once he doesn't shoot it down, the Chinese know everything they need to know. That's exactly right. And the amazing thing is they actually do believe that. I mean, they, there, there's other examples of where their relationship with China is such a priority, not because of trade, not because of threat towards Taiwan, not because of any of the other concerns we have, but because they want to bring China around and to our line of thinking about climate change. And they can't do that if that relationship is stressed. So they actually believe that the greatest threat facing humanity is climate change. You know, the fact that the Earth may be a fifth of a degree warmer in 100 years. And in the meanwhile, the short-term threats, they'll completely ignore. And you said it was a test, and the president failed that test. 
he didn't do anything to interfere with this surveillance. Are you are we seeing the beginning of an axis power with China, Russia, now Iran? Yesterday, Z President Z uh, welcomed him into the international community of really dark countries. Yeah, I think not only are we seeing the beginning of it, this is somewhere in the mid phase of that axis of power. Very clearly, they're lying. Now, we have one real advantage over Russia and China and Iran and others, and that is we can uh, we can actually uh, forge alliances. We can forge partnerships, and it's done out of mutual benefit. They can't. They have to compel those alliances. There's no one who truly wants to be, you know, a, an ally of Russia. It, it's a transactional relationship but they have formed that transactional relationship with each other because the enemy of my enemy is my friend and they have the common enemy of that being the united states and western democracy is the thing they want to destroy i was reading a story today about how china is they believe preparing for war preparing its people for war um and that could be just taiwan but they don't have the capability to go into to taiwan right now do they Probably not, but uh, but it's not years away. It's not a decade away, uh, and it's hard to know because they're actually very very good at deception <laughs> and and misalignment. You know, it's hard for us to know what their actual capabilities are because they can hide it pretty well. But there is a gap right now between their capabilities and at the same time, Taiwan is trying to increase its own defense capabilities. And when China begins to see that gap close, Taiwan's ability to defend themselves begin to catch up with their capabilities. That's the moment of danger. That That's the thing that they would take advantage of. But there's more to that, Glenn, and that is they surely look at the U.S. leadership and they go, when is the right opportunity and under what leadership and what circumstances politically in the United States do we want to make this move? And very, very clear to me that they look at this president as someone who is weak and someone that they could uh, that they could manage and someone who is not going to be nearly as strong as any of the potential Republican candidates who could win in 2024. Is this what we're facing right now? This is a possible World War Three, possible knockout punch. I mean, this is not anything that we've faced in our lifetime. I mean, you know, maybe the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, but this is a big one, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's true. And I mean, neither one of us want to be overly dramatic. It doesn't it doesn't do any good to cry wolf and have it not be a wolf, but have it be a puppy dog, right? But the signs on this are just so clear. You have to be blind or willingly unwilling to example or look at the examples. And so I think we've probably seen it in our lifetime going back to the 1980s. Uh, detente with President Reagan, President Gorbachev at the time, and a couple of others. But it really is like that moment. And I would say uh, probably even more dangerous than that time was because Russia actually wanted to have uh, a a bit of an understanding between the U.S. and Russia. And it doesn't appear that China does. Chris, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Thank you, sir. You bet. God bless. Um, a uh, recent memo that was uh, leaked from the head of U.S. Mobility Command um, had a startling statement in it. The Air Force general said he believes we will be at war with China in two years. Uh, you know, I think we've been at war with China for decades, but they're the only ones fighting it. 
my hope is that this Chinese spy balloon, you know, is finally waking people up in Washington. And we are now looking at our situation and we'll have cool and calm and adult heads at the table. But tonight I'm going to show you some of the unconventional ways China has been waging a cold war in our country. The Chinese actually wrote the playbook quite a while ago in their own words. I will show you what they are doing. It is absolutely incredible when you see their playbook and then you look at what we're seeing every day. It involves Hollywood, drugs, the media, technology, the economy, everything. It's from the Chinese Communist Party and nothing is out of bounds. All of it is in play right now. That's tonight, the Wednesday night special, 9 p.m. on Blaze TV, 9.30 Eastern on YouTube. Uh, it's youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. Cold War with China, the playbook to take down the U.S. Exposed tonight only on Blaze TV. Weather's warming up, uh, and you know what that means that your house is time to start sprucing the place up, giving it all the TLC. Maybe you can, uh, you know, with um, no, uh, no, no uh, ignoring that the winter months are still long ahead of us in many places of the country. One of the first places you're going to want to start is with your window treatments, and for that, you should go to blinds.com. The design consultants have you covered there, they can help you pick what's right for your home. Uh, when there's just too many choices and a lot of people don't have the vision, they don't know what will look good. Um, and you don't, I mean, you go to these, you know, uh, drape and, and sh- shades and shutter stores and they're going to send somebody out and they're going to upsell you. And it's just, it's a nightmare. The design consultants at blinds.com don't do any of those things. They have a, a quick meeting with you on the phone you can do it on FaceTime or on Skype, and you show them where you're looking, what your room looks for, and they make a recommendation. And you know the price is up front. There's a reason why Blinds.com has over 40,000 five-star reviews. They're great, and they make it affordable, uh, incredibly affordable, and really easy. So go to Blinds.com. Right now, you can save up to 45% site-wide, up to 45% off everything right now, at blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, yesterday we talked to uh, somebody that was on Taggart Road in Ohio. Um, She was a a dog trainer and still is, but she had to move away because the train derailment happened really close to her house and everybody left. And she said, you know, we had a um, they asked us to sign a a release form so they could check the air. And I have it and I'm going to tweet it out uh, later Uh, the rightful owner and occupant of this property uh, hereby authorizes Norfolk uh, Southern, its affiliates, subsidiaries, parents, contractors, associated environmental professionals, and assisting local, state, and federal agencies 
including but not limited to SeaTech LLC and their uh, personnel collectively, the monitoring team, to access the property for air monitoring and environmental sampling. And you say, I only want it outside of my house or inside of my house as well. And you check one of those. And then it says, landowner agrees to indemnify, release, and hold harmless uh, unified command from and against all and any legal claims, including for personal injury or property damage arising from monitoring team's performance of air monitoring or environmental sampling at the property on the date of the signature below. And you're supposed to sign that. Who would in their right mind sign that? Especially after what has just happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Seeing that the unified command seems to be the collection of people up at the top, including the railway and all of their affiliates. Right. It's, it's uh, worded in a way. I mean, I guess their their defense would probably be, no, we're just talking about the monitoring right now. Like if, if we come in and we, you know, that's, that's all. We're not talking about the actual accident. But of course... That's not what they would probably argue in court so, later on. <laughs> unified command is uh, is an actual term. It's a company, but it's also a term. Hmm. And it means, you know, all the parties that come together and are forming this command center for yeah. this incident. Yeah. So which, which is it? Is it uh, is it a term or is it <laughs> probably say you probably a good idea not to sign yeah. documents they're presenting you certainly without an attorney present that you trust. Yeah. And by the way, unified command does a lot of work with the federal government. They are, the, they are the trusted source for the U S government. I mean, unified command sounds like the type of uh, organization that would be like mm. the supposed good guys in a movie, but then turned out to be bad. Kind of like, bum, 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 yeah. ba-dum, bum, bum, Hey, Unified Command is here. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so sampling the air. <laughs> That's the thing, though. You get the guys in the black masks that breathe like that, you can tell quickly. They, that should be right. something we should implement here. Yeah. You, you know? have to wear a black mask like Darth Vader if you are part of that. Yeah, if you're a bad guy, wear a dark mask. It makes it so much easier for us to understand. And if you're a bad guy in the army, you wear white hats. Wait. They had both sides covered. That's why they were so confused. (laughs) The Glenn Beck Program. Thank you very much. Every moment matters when it comes to an emergency situation. One minute you're driving along with your loved ones in the car. The next you're in an accident and somebody's bleeding a lot. What do you do? This is a question that the uh, people over at My Medic know all too well. The company was founded after a family member died in a car crash. And because none of the bystanders had first aid kits, you know, or even basic first aid training, they died. So they decided they were going to make a difference. My medic has revolutionized first aid by creating a line of kits with innovative products. You can treat everything from a scrape on the knee to a gunshot wound. And I actually mean that this is not your typical first aid kit. Go to mymedic.com slash Beck and save 20% on their life-saving first aid kits today. Each pro kit includes life-saving training, Uh, You know, you show up someplace, do you have the equipment? Do you know how to save your child's life? MyMedic.com slash Beck. Get yours today. MyMedic.com slash Beck. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenn back program hello america you know i usually am you know the little black rain cloud uh and i bring you some news you're like okay don't think i wanted to know that but thanks now i do know it so i won't sleep for a week um i wanted to bring on uh, somebody that disagrees with me uh and i have to tell you he makes a compelling case i don't know if he's right or not i don't think he is but i'm open because i want to believe him uh he is a, a geopolitical strategist he's uh, written the book the end of the world is just the beginning i know that doesn't sound happy but actually He's not a little black ring crawler. I mean, compared to me, this guy's sunshine and lollipops. So uh, I want you to uh, I want you to stick around for a few minutes. We're going to talk about China and what's coming because there are profound changes. But he's got a, a much better attitude and maybe some facts that others leave out that we should pay attention to. His name is uh, Peter Zine, and he's joining us in 60 seconds cybercrime is on the rise here's some things that uh, won't protect you against cyber criminals voodoo dolls a sticky note left on your computer monitor saying please don't hack me a decoy computer uh, sitting in your uh, yard someplace that doesn't fool anybody chinese spy balloons there i mean they're everywhere it seems now here's one thing that will help protect you against cyber criminals it's a little thing called lifelock it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting all of our lives. We do everything online, and internet safety is not something you should ignore or cut from the budget. So get 25% off a subscription to LifeLock. It's the top of the line in cybersecurity with both preventative measures to keep you safe and access to a restoration team if you do end up having your information hacked into. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is there to protect what's yours. It's LifeLock by Norton. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or LifeLock.com. Make sure you use the promo code BECK to save 25% off now at LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Peter Zine, uh, the author of The End of the World is Just the Beginning. Hello, Peter. How are you? You know, I don't think I've ever been introduced as Mr. Rainbows and Sunshine. I kind of like that. <laughs> well, you've never been on this show where uh, we don't we don't tend to have a, an optimistic uh, look at what's coming our way. 
Um, but uh, I was listening to you. I think it was on the Rogan show, and I was listening to you, and uh, you actually made me feel better. And I just like you to, I just like you to tell us your view of what's coming, uh, the end of globalization, but also the um, uh, the end of China, because you say that's imminent. Well, that's a whole whole batch of things to. to bushes together into a small chunk, but let me do my best. So there's two things that have dominated and created our world. Uh, step one is in 1945, the Americans found themselves facing down Stalin in Europe. And we're like, oh, we do not want to tangle with this guy alone. We need allies to stand between us and the Soviet forces. But World War II had been the most destructive conflict in human history, and the only allies were countries that had barely survived it. So we needed to provide something to induce them to not cut a separate deal with the Soviets. And we came up with globalization. Before globalization, everyone was kind of left to their own in terms of development. And if you had iron ore and coal and food and oil, you could industrialize. But if you didn't have all those things, you were probably a colony. Well, with globalization, you now only needed one and you could trade for the others. And so we all started to develop and industrialize and urbanize together. After 75 years, that has brought us the global system we now know with global finance and global energy and global supply chains and global infrastructure and global agriculture. And so we have a population of 9 billion people, 8 billion people, excuse me, living more wealthy than any other period in human history. Correct. With small countries and big countries all in the milieu together. But as we've made that transition, we've changed the way we live. Pre-industrialization, we all lived on subsistence farms. Mm -hmm. But as these new industrial jobs became available, we took them and they were all in the cities. Well, in the countryside, kids are free labor. You have as many as you can and then maybe one more because that's how you know you've had too many. (laughs) You move into town, you live in a condo and kids are just sources of migraines. So you have one or two, maybe, maybe, maybe three. You play that forward for 75 years. And it's not that we're running out of children globally. That happened 30 years ago. It's that we're now running out of working aged adults. Also, the Americans created globalization as a security ploy. Cold War ended 30 years ago. We're out of that business. So the, the security underpinnings that allow trade to happen are mostly gone. And the consumption that is done by young people is almost gone. And this was always going to be the decade that both of these trends broke at the same time. Now, China specifically is the perfect manifestation of what sort of glory demographic change and globalized security can bring to a country. Because for the first time in their history, they weren't preyed upon by the outsiders, they were able to consolidate internally, and they were able to use their large population to create an economies of scale to take advantage of the global environment. That had never happened to them before. You fast forward that to today, however, and the Americans have lost interest in maintaining the trade, we're turning a little bit more nationalist on the Chinese specifically, And their demographic transition was the fastest in human history. And according to the newest data we have, not only did they overcount their population by about 100 million people, they now have more people in their 60s than their 50s and their 40s and their 30s and their 20s. And so we are looking at abject demographic collapse in the Chinese space this decade 
And that assumes that none of the Chinese dependencies on the American Navy to import and export become a problem. So we're really looking at a simultaneous crisis here in China that is demographic, that is political, that is cultural, that is agricultural, that is in trade, that is in finance, all at the same time. And there is no way they walk away from this. So you believe that, I mean, what, what is all the positioning now with the, you know, the balloons and the tough talk? What, what's, what's happening there with President Z? Because on the surface, he looks, you know, rock solid in control. Um, you know, the, I think you would say to the average person, you know, who is the next leader of the world? And they'd all say China. But you're saying the opposite. Yeah, it's not gonna be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to think of China 20 years from now, kind of like we think of um, the Soviet Union today. You know, it had a good run and then it just imploded. Uh, let's see what's the best way to put this. Uh, Chairman Xi, <clears throat> ruling China is a difficult task. There's a lot of different geographies. It doesn't hold together well. Yes, China, using air quotes here on China, has existed in some form for 3,000 years, but it's only been unified in roughly the shape we recognize today for a total of 300 of those years, half of that's under the Mongol occupation. <clears throat> and the remainder, most of that is under the American-led globalized system, where we basically said colonization is no longer kosher. <clears throat> Excuse me. Get some water here. <clears throat> anyway, the only way that you can kind of rule the space is to purge the system of competing political and economic influences. Correct. And Xi started that process 10 years ago and more or less completed the purge of the political system five years ago. But then he spent the last five years purging the bureaucracy of any potential power centers that could challenge him. And in doing so, he's gotten rid of everyone in the country that is competent. So now it is just him. And in many ways, he's kind of become what Donald Trump always wanted to be. He's got the adoration from people below the zealots, and he's got the voices in his head, and that's how he rules. And there's absolutely nothing in between. Uh, and that means we're seeing policy collapses across the entire system. And the balloon situation is a good example. So under COVID, the Chinese were carrying out this very hateful foreign policy that they kind of called wolf warrior, which is basically China is right. You're wrong. You're stupid. You're going to die. And China's going to take over everything. So when you hear people saying that they think China's going to dominate, that's, that's wolf warrior diplomacy kind of working behind the scenes. There's not a lot behind it, but it, you know, it, it riles people up. Well, it led to some of the greatest foreign policy disasters in China's history. So the Biden administration has killed the Chinese semiconductor sector. They are dependent upon the Russians for energy, but the Russian energy cannot be produced over the long term by the Russians. So they know there's an energy crisis in their future. They're experiencing an outbreak of something called African swine fever, which is endangering their food supplies. Their financial system is basically a really, really badly run Enron or subprime at scale. And so they, they see all of these pressures and Xi knows that the jig is almost up. And so starting about two to three months ago, he started forcing the bureaucracy because he has to have one-on-one -on -one conversations anymore. He can't just say stuff and make it happen because all the competent people are gone. He started tilting things towards a more productive or at least less hostile direction. And as a result, Secretary of State Blinken was about to go to China. 
Well, when you don't have a functional bureaucracy, when you don't have functional communication within your own government, all it takes is one dude who thinks he's doing the great leader's will to, to throw things off. And we now know from our <clears throat> communications with the Chinese that Xi didn't know about the balloon. And the foreign ministry didn't know about the balloon. And it looks like hardly anyone in the military knew about the balloon. That means it was just some dumbass in the intelligence services who thought that this is what was necessary. And so slapped it together and sent it off. And it led to a complete diplomatic meltdown with the United States. You know, and even if you're of the belief that Biden is ultimately looking for a way to live and let, live with the Chinese, events like this, at a minimum, are going to push back the date where we can even think about that for three to six months. And to be perfectly blunt, China doesn't have a lot of time. All right, which leads me to uh, another uh, another question. And let me get to that in 60 seconds. Hang on. Dolores wrote in about her experience with Relief Factor. Uh, I started taking Relief Factor not long ago, and so far it has completely stopped the arthritis pain in my hands. They were so bad, it was getting impossible to do any of my sewing or anything. Not anymore. Thank you, Relief Factor. Dolores, thanks for writing in and giving Relief Factor a try. If you or somebody you love is dealing with actual pain, please try Relief Factor. It's not a drug. It was developed by doctors, so it not being a drug, it's not going to whack you out. It has four natural key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation, which causes most of our pain and most of our problems. So please give it a shot. Just try it for three weeks. That's all they ask. Try it for three weeks if you don't see any results after taking it as directed. Um, in three weeks, you're probably not going to, but 70% of the people who try the three week quick start, go on to order more month after month, dial one 800 4 relief, 800, the number four relief, or go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds station ID. Okay, so you say um, that China doesn't have an awful lot of time, uh, doesn't have, you know, six months to wait. If your theory is correct, what stops them from being even more dangerous right now? Well, one of the things to keep in mind, well, I think it's great to compare what's going on in the Russian space to what's going on in the Chinese space. So from the Russian point of view, their population is dying out as well for a mix of reasons, some of which overlap. And they feel that if they don't militarily act to get what they see as a more defensible perimeter now, that they will not have the military capacity to try it five, 10 years down the line. And, and they're right. Uh, so there is a scenario where if Russia wins this war and a couple wars beyond it, they actually are in a better position strategically. China doesn't have anything like that. There is no country or series of countries within reach that they could conquer. There is no war they could launch that would help. Uh, this is a country that, unlike Russia, is based on the import of raw materials and the export of finished goods. This is a country that imports almost all of the technology it needs and many of the intermediate parts. Really, really, it's best to think of China not as a manufacturing center, but as an assembly center. And I don't say that to denigrate them. It's just it's a different sort of economic model. And that means you have to have different support structures internationally in order to make it work. And for China, it's all about the movement and it's movement they can't control. 
the U.S. Navy may only have half as many ships as the Chinese, but our fleet is fully blue water. Only 10% of the Chinese fleet in combat operations could sail more than 400 miles from the coast. That's not enough to support a global mercantile empire. We do that for them as part of globalization. So even if they were to capture Taiwan without firing a shot, it really wouldn't solve anything because they import 75% of their energy and 80% of the materials that allow them to grow their own food. So in any war scenario, you put a couple of destroyers in the Indian Ocean Basin, doesn't matter who you are, and you've destroyed the Chinese system, it'll die within six to 12 months, and you'll trigger a famine that will ultimately kill hundreds of millions of people. That would be the end, and the Chinese know that. Now, that doesn't mean it's risk-free. That doesn't mean I'm belittling what you're suggesting here. There is a chance that it could happen, even though I don't think it's a very high one. If the Chinese admit to themselves that they're facing demographic, economic, agriculture, and trade crisis all at once that will tear their system down, and I think they do realize that, then there's something to be said for picking the time and the place of a war, even if you know you're going to lose, because it lets you write the narrative, even if it's one of national failure. And if you're facing a deindustrialization collapse, that might, might allow the CCP to persist as a political ruler of the system into whatever's next. And so if you can guarantee your personal power for the low, low cost of three to 500 million dead Chinese from famine, that might be worth the cost. So make uh, no mistake, this is not a war of expansion. So uh, I, I kind of feel like what everything you're saying about, you know, China could be said about us as well. I feel, you know, you, you talk about the deglobalization, but that is the opposite of where, you know, build back better and all of that stuff is going. There are these globalists that are still trying to cobble into a, even a bigger system, you know, of the West against the East uh, that I don't I mean, they're not going down to the little local communities and saying, hey, let's all make sure that we're solid uh, as local communities? I'm really not worried about the United States. So number one, we have the best demography in the advanced world and a better demography than most of the developing world. At current rates of aging, we will be younger on average than the Mexicans, the Indians, the Indonesians, and the Brazilians at some point in the early 2050s. We became younger on average than the Chinese over a decade ago. Uh, in addition, the United States created global trade And one of the conditions in order to induce countries to join our security network was that we wouldn't take advantage of that. So as a percent of GDP, we are the least involved with the major economies in the world. And most of our economic integration is with Mexico and Canada. That's like almost half of our total. So if you factor that out as a percent of GDP, our total exposure to the entire world is less than 10% of GDP. And a big chunk of that has to do with the shale revolution and energy exports. Take that out, you slim it down even more. Our weakness, in also we're the world's largest producer of oil and the world's largest producer and exporter of foodstuffs. Our biggest weakness is in electronics manufacture. And if China were to disappear tomorrow, yeah, that's gonna be a pain in the ass. We're gonna have to rebuild that from scratch. 
we're going to have to double the size of the industrial plant over the course of the next five years. And if you think we have an inflation problem now, just wait till we lose access to Chinese goods and we have to build out our own system. But that will generate the fastest economic growth in the history of our country. And when it is done, we will have more reliable partners closer to home with shorter supply chains that use less energy and use workers that are local and sell to consumers that are local. This is a good story. Okay, so and all uh, we have to do is build up ourselves to make it happen. All right. I've only got a couple of uh, a couple of minutes left, and I just want to make sure that I push back a bit. There are several critics of yours that say, you know, you've been saying this since 2005, that they were going to collapse, et cetera, et cetera. How would you answer that? The hardest part of geopolitics, especially demography, is timing. Yeah. Uh, one of the problems with geography, words, one of the problems with demography is this has never happened before. We've never had global aging. What I've described for China is an extreme case, but it's happening everywhere. So N equals zero historically for points of comparison. Right. The reason why this is the decade that I think it's really going to go down is this is the decade where not just China, but a lot of other countries literally age into mass retirement. And, and this and there is pretty are much no longer enough people under 30 to even theoretically repopulate. This is pretty much what happened to Japan, right? I mean, in the 80s, everybody thought Japan was going to take over the world. And then all of a sudden, just Japan just fell off the map. Absolutely. Part of that was a debt issue, which the Chinese had right. actually a bigger debt issue. Part of it is demographic. But the, the two big differences between the Japanese and the Chinese, Japan saw this coming 30 years ago and took steps to boost their birth rate and relocate industrial plant to better locations okay. like the United States. They're as prepared as they can be. Right. China's done none of that. Peter, thank you so much for being on with us. It's um, uh, Peter Zine. His book is The End of the World is Just the Beginning. More in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. I want to tell you about a guy I know named Micah. He's your neighbor down the street. You know, a friendly, helpful guy that uh, you keep meaning to get to know a little bit better, but you're busy. He's busy. He's an Army veteran, solid family guy, three beautiful kids. Uh, and... When uh, Micah found out that their school was teaching graphic LGBTQ plus curriculum, um, he was not one to sit back. And so he and several like-minded friends ran for school board positions, and they won enough spots to overturn the curriculum. Another tiny detail about Micah is he is a real estate agent, and he works with our company, Real Estate Agents I Trust. He's a stand-up guy who stood up to the woke mob infecting our schools. He's busy just like you. He is just like you. But when it comes to helping you buy or sell a home, he's a pro. These are the kind of people that you'll find at realestateagentsitrust.com. The people that are just like you, except they're experts at buying and selling your home. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, a free service to you. Get your referral now at realestateagentsitrust.com. And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use the promo code Glenn, you'll save. We are talking to uh, the geopolitical strategist. He has uh, worked with uh, Stratford. 
etc. He is uh, he consults major companies and uh, countries. He's the author of a book. The end of the world is just the beginning. His name is Peter Zine. Um, and he says that China is uh, a long term paper tiger that we don't have to worry about short term. Correct me if I'm, I'm I get any of this wrong here, Peter, but short term uh, they could get ugly but long term they're they're nothing to worry about correct i'm far more concerned about the consequences of the chinese collapse than any sort of war okay so let's just tie this into you know the global uh, market and in the way globalization has worked you change any of this stuff and you're in trouble. Yeah, Peter, do you think when you look back at the globalization as an experiment, if you would, do you look at it as mostly a success, mostly a failure, or can you not even really describe it with those terms? I think from most points of view, it's been a success. So from the American point of view, it was a security program to prevent war in Europe and a nuclear exchange. And in that, it created the greatest alliance in history. And that is why even the Germans today are... A, you know, shockingly with the program on the Russians. Uh, from an economic point of view, we expanded the population to 8 billion people, and it's the wealthiest the world has ever been, the safest the world has ever been, the most healthy the world has ever been. So I don't mean to suggest it's all been good, but it has been a really good run, historically speaking. And now it's just not working because of the COVID breakdown, or it's just not useful anymore? COVID definitely sped up the decline, but from the American point of view, you use the right word. It's no longer useful. We created globalization in order to build an alliance to fight the Soviets, and the Soviets are gone. And even with the Russians kind of having this moment, uh, all of these security deals that the Biden administration is striking with everyone around the world are just that. They're security. They're, there's no economic side to it. We are not interested in the United States economically, strategically or politically in a Bretton Woods 2.0. It's just not happening. Uh, but most importantly, that demographic aging that industrialization and urbanization created has now passed the point of no return so that this specific economic model is on its last legs, independent of what we might think politically. So, We're going to have to come up with something new. And that means countries with better geographies and better demographic structures are going to have their day. And the United States is at the very top of that very short list. All right. So how would you describe then the you know, the Great Reset or the World Economic Forum or the, you know, UN Agenda 2030, all of this stuff that is is forging even stronger alliances with international banking and, and everything else. Uh, well, I, let me give you three things. Number one, in the United States, our political system is going through its once a generation reshuffling where the factions that make up the parties move around. And the business community was kicked out of the Republican coalition by Donald Trump. So they are kind of in the wilderness. So any sort of international finance or business connections that we may have had at one point are no longer within the political decision-making apparatus. So there is not really a lobbying group within the United States for globalization in general. Uh, second, anything that involves the United Nations that is not the Security Council is incapable of pushing the agenda forward at all because it doesn't have the political support of the countries that matter. So I would put that to the side completely. And then third, the World Economic Forum crowd, I think it's most useful 
to think of Klaus Schwab as a DJ who throws a really big party once a year that everyone wants to go to. And it's nothing more than that. Yes, they've got their seminars, but mostly this is rich people doing the equivalent of body shots. <laughs> oh, well, Peter, I couldn't disagree with you more on, on a lot of that. But um... <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, it, no policy is coming from this. And, and the countries that have the ability to go it their own way, places like the United States or Japan or France, just don't swim in that pond. So you're talking about a well, our president group did of use don't actually have economic power. The, the president did use and so did Japan. So did France. So did uh, England. They all use the World Economic Forum structure and even their slogan, Build Back Better. Uh, in 2020, and a lot of that stuff has has been passed and has passed through uh, our financial sector through ESG. But I don't want to get bogged down in, into this. We just disagree. Um, Peter, um, the the thing that is going to what do we have to do to keep our communities uh, going from the impact of all of this? That is something that requires policy shifts, not at the global or even the national level, but mostly at the local. And, and for this, the United States is really set, well set up. Uh, one of the major things about globalization was it created a economic and security structure globally that allowed countries that, historically speaking, hadn't been able to play the game to play the game because no longer did they have to worry about defending themselves or their trade routes. And they could access a world full of markets and resources uh, as if they had won World War II. For most of the world, it was great. But if you had a good geography to begin with, that put you at a severe disadvantage because all of a sudden there was all this indirectly subsidized competition. That competition is now going away. And a lot of the global industrial build-out that we have seen over the last 75 years, which gave birth to some of the political movements that you've just identified, that is breaking down, mm -hmm. leaving it to the places that are more functional geographically and demographically to do really well. And so for the United States, not only is that most of our territory, we are also a federalized system where the localities and the state governments have just as much power as the federal government. So state governments and localities who are willing to put their eyes on the future are already taking steps to change the regulatory structure, to build out infrastructure, to attract new residents, and to get pieces of these industrial chain, supply chains that are looking for a new home. And places like uh, Texas have been extraordinarily successful in that, but it's not like it's just list, list limited to the, the Lone Star State. I would say overall, the American South probably has the best set of policy for attracting some of this money and getting scared investors, whether it's from Germany or Korea or whatnot, to set up assembly and manufacturing plants across their territory. Uh, even California is getting in on the act a little bit, if you can imagine it. Once you get out of the big coastal cities and kind of go into the next range of cities that are like on the edge of the LA basin, you've got population centers that used to be bedroom communities that are remaking themselves to participate in some of these systems, particularly in aerospace. So this, this isn't just a good story. It's dozens of good stories right. embedded in the way Americans prefer to be governed. And this is a, a, the part that I really enjoyed hearing from you that, I mean, I, I think there is all over the world, uh, just like President Z, people in power know 
that that power is going to be challenged because everything that provided them power and money and everything else is breaking apart. And so they are tightening the screws as hard as hard as they can on people to try to uh, control them. I think the people are waking up all around the world knowing Wait, that none of the stuff that you're doing is making any kind of common sense. We, we, we need to take care of ourselves here in our own communities, our own farmers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, if, if that happens, then I think we make it and we make it in, uh, in with flying colors as America usually does. Um, the, how bad is the transition? Could the transition get here? And when does that when does that when does the average American understand that's all over globalization. Well, I'd argue that the transition started several years ago. Uh, right. We had eight years of Barack Obama where we basically didn't have a president and we had no foreign policy. We had no economic policy. And that sort of um, abdication of responsibility really accelerated the breakup of globalization because it does require a functioning American system in order to keep all the pieces working. Then we had four years of Donald Trump, and to the degree that Donald Trump involved himself with governing, it was usually take a, to, to take a mallet to things, and he really didn't like globalization in the first place. Now we've got Biden, who is going through Trump's old tweets and turning them into formal policies. And so it's <laughs> crazy that Biden and Trump are the two most similar presidents we've ever had on issues of international economic policy. And we're basically taking Trump's instincts on things like China and trade and building them into the bureaucracy so deeply that it doesn't matter who the next president is. So if you are on the right, I don't think you're going to admit to yourself that this old system is broken and is not coming back until we get to the next president. Uh, On the left, I think there's an understanding that we have passed the Rubicon. The only reason I say on the right it might take a little bit longer is no one wants to be perceived as giving Biden the credit for it, even if it did start a president before him. Biden is the one who's really nailing this down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, uh, you mean as uh, as killing it. So final nail in the coffin. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, Donald Trump provided the intellectual scaffolding to build the nails, and Biden is the one using them. Yeah, maybe for uh, maybe for opposite reasons, but uh, the globalization part honestly, is when we're talking about the breakdown of the global system. I'm yeah. not sure the rationale really matters. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I agree. Um, Peter, thank you very much. I appreciate it. God bless. No problem. Uh, the end of the world is just the beginning. Uh, geopolitical strategist Peter uh, Zine. Now, reason why I wanted to have him on is because I'm not afraid of other people's opinions, especially when they disagree with me. I hope I'm wrong. Now, he's not sunshine and lollipops if you're just listening to him. But if you compare him to what I say is coming, you know, that's uh, that's good. You brought him on as the sunshine and lollipop guy, and then he was talking about three or four hundred million people starving to death in yeah. China. Well, uh, <laughs> well that went, went down a, a negative yeah. road pretty quickly. Um, but at least it's not we're not bombing each other for yeah. you know, hundreds of, of uh, thousands this of dollars. This is the Biden approach, like slightly deaths. better than the worst it's ever been. That's yeah. his campaign slogan. Yeah, <laughs> right. And by the way, it was also us when it was the worst it's ever been. But we're slightly better right now. So right. elect me. So here's so here's the thing. Uh, I, I disagree with a lot of the stuff that he said, um, but I think, you know, he may have just blinders on when it comes to why would Z try to consolidate his power and get rid of everybody? 
if I mean, it's going to happen to the whole world. That's my case on the World Economic Forum and uh, our individual leaders of our individual Western countries. They know what's coming quick. Get the animals in the barn and lock the door. That's what I believe is is happening. Now, when it comes to China, I believe they are. We are in a war. I mean, the the um, the head of the U.S. Mobility Command came out. Uh, he's an Air Force general. He said just last week, we will be at war with China in just two years. And I think even Mr. Sunshine Lollipops kind of said that's a possibility because they become very, very dangerous. But we've been at a war with them. Um, we're just not fighting it. They're the only ones. I want to show you tonight on my Wednesday night special only on Blaze TV, the unconventional ways China has been waging a Cold War on our country. And it is, I mean, I'll show you in their words, out of their playbook, this is how we're going to destroy it. And I will show you, and it is staggering, staggering when you're like, there's the playbook, here it is in action. Here's the playbook, here's that in action. And I'll go through it uh, tonight. Tonight's special, 9 p.m., Blaze TV. This is so much more than just a balloon. The Cold War with China, the playbook to take down the U.S. exposed. Please join us. We, it is your um, uh, monthly subscription that pays for all of our research and the talent and everything we're building here at Blaze TV. So join us, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save. 9 o'clock, Blaze TV. 9.30, you can see it on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. All right. Tunnel to Towers is um, one of the good guys. These, these, the 501c3s, if you will, the, the charities that I talk about on the air, they're the best of the best, best of the best. And I've been watching Tunnel to Towers, you know, from New York when they were um, just getting started after 9-11. They, there's a group of people that, you know, lost family members, lost friends, and they wanted to make sure that we never forgot. And we took care of our heroes. And there's lots of heroes. First family to uh, move in in the Let Us Do Good Village in Land Lakes. That's a series of uh, uh, homes and communities. About 100 homes now set up for Tunnel to Tower Foundation, Gold Star Families. First family to move in were the Thorntons, Danielle and her children, Jalen and Kinsey, after Robert, the husband and father of the family, was killed. They were given a mortgage-free home, the Let's Do Good Village. Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders, as well as families of catastrophically injured, all neighbors growing up together because of you. Make the Let Us Do Good Village the first of many communities like it. Donate $11 a month now to Tunnel to Towers at T, the number 2T.org. That's T2T.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. The uh, new AP poll shows that most Democrats not only can't agree on what leader to rally behind, 
most Americans don't have a favorable view of the party's current top figures. Uh, the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, far-left uh, Representative Andrea Ocasio-Cortez, and Bernie Sanders were picked as the best choice for the party leader by 5% of the Democrats polled. However, it gets worse from there. Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, each favored by 3%. Nancy Pelosi was 2%. Uh, wow, that's... Uh, bright future ahead, Clint. <laughs> bright future for the, uh, for the Democrats. However, majority of Republicans are uncommitted about who should lead the party as well. Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump... Uh, from poll to poll, just keep slipping, you know, slipping by each other and going back and forth. But uh, DeSantis is the uh, the chief challenger to Donald Trump, but they are much more popular than Joe Biden. Holy cow. The Glenn Beck Program. Hello, you sick, twisted freak. Welcome to the uh, program. There's a few things that I'd like to piece together for you. Uh, Maybe we should all wake up. And I think America is, but we are headed towards real problems on the international front. And boy, is it a coincidence? I, I, I don't know. I, I... I've never seen anybody with this bad of a batting average being president of the United States. He can hit him out of the park if it hurts America. He doesn't even swing at pitches that help. I don't get it. All right. We'll go there in 60 seconds. Valentine's Day is finally over for another year. Thank goodness. Holy cow. What in it? Oh. And worst thing happened. Flowers didn't arrive until like 6 o'clock last night. And so, like, Tanya, the whole day, she had flowers for me at 5 a.m. The whole night, she was like, hmm, I guess I'm not. No, no, your flowers are coming. Really? Really? Mm -hmm. Did you just call the Kroger (laughs) down the street? No, they're coming. Anyway, Valentine's Day is finally over for another year. However, the need to say I love you still never goes away. The good news is, is that you can still say it with quality 100% American meat. Over 85% of the grass-fed beef that you find in stores is imported into the United States. It has a little American flag on it, I know, but guess what? People lie sometimes. Not good ranchers. Good ranchers. Their meats are hand-trimmed, steak quality, uh, steakhouse quality. They are ready to deliver to your door month after month. That says love. So ditch the usual gifts that try to convince you that that's a greeting card company that's done that. 
These are good ranchers. Goodranchers.com. Snag $30 off with your uh, promo code BECK. That's 100% satisfaction guarantee you can count on for monthly delivery of meats. And you're going to lock in your price. Set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat Delivered. Save $30 with the promo code BECK at GoodRanchers.com. That's GoodRanchers.com. All right. So, uh, so Stu, help me out here. Um, the Pentagon yesterday. Okay, now, so let's just replay this. Earlier this week, it's only Wednesday. Earlier this week. They were like, well, we can't rule out little green men. Can't do it. Like to. Like to. But I watched Mork from Mork. That was a true story. And we're probably shooting down alien spacecraft. And the aliens did travel probably close to light speed, highly advanced society. And uh, they decided to come down and introduce themselves in hot air balloons. Please. That was Monday. Yesterday, they said, uh, uh, yeah, we, 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 we think those balloons are probably, uh, they were private balloons, uh, not tied to any spying at all. Wait, 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 what? These balloons now have nothing to do with China? They're not, they're, this is from the Pentagon? No foreign intelligence? What are we shooting down? Well, they're probably private balloons. And is anybody called and said, hey, that was my balloon? Did anybody say that? No, but we definitely should. We should definitely we should. say the Glenn right. Beck program put up a balloon. They shut right. it down. Now they owe us millions of dollars. Okay, so uh, this is how you lose all credibility. Uh, that uh, Chinese balloon, just a weather balloon, and uh, we just found out about it. No, uh-uh. you knew about it. Not since it penetrated the airspace in Alaska, like you told us last week. No, no, no. We now know you were monitoring it when it left China. So not going to give you a pass on that one. So you, how many times have they lied to us on this story? So what is it? Remember, this story started right after Seymour Hersh said, yeah, I've got some pretty good evidence that uh, it was the United States, this administration doing a covert op against the laws of the United States. Uh, And they blew up the pipeline. You should just check that out. Oh, look at the balloon. Balloon, 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 balloon. And we're all talking about balloons. Okay. Now, I'd like to believe that, you know, they actually mean anything that they say, but they don't. They don't. Why didn't you blow up the balloon? Let's just take that one. Well, because it's not a threat. Okay. How do you know that? Well, we just found out about it. No, you didn't. Well, I mean, we, we, we've, we knew about it, you know, in Alaska. No, no, you knew about it before. Okay, well, yeah, but it's just a weather balloon. How do you know that? Chinese told us that. And you trust them? Well, I'm getting a lot of money. I mean, I'm not getting a lot of money from them. No, what are you talking about? And we can't shoot it down over the United States because there's, there's no place. There's not one inch of land between Montana and South Carolina that doesn't have people riddled all over it. 
Uh, yeah, there's lots of land. Well, okay. How many times did they lie just about that one thing? And the press just reports it. Last night, unfortunately, there was another shooting, this time at Michigan State University. Biden came out. This is why we have to have strict gun control, banning assault weapons. We don't even know what kind of gun it was. Maybe it was an assault weapon. We don't know. Maybe it was a John Wilkes Booth gun. We don't know. But here's something we do know that the press hasn't really been up to reporting. The guy who did the shooting, he was arrested for uh, not having a licensed gun. You know, just a little while ago, and uh, the Soros prosecutor decided, I got to do anything about it. Let's release him. Oh, so wait, you have laws on the book, but you won't enforce them. Okay. All right. It is a fascinating part of the story in that like gun laws, the right wants gun laws too. Mm-hmm. We want more, we want fewer laws before people commute, commit crimes and more laws after they commit crimes, right? We yeah. want them punished after they commit crimes. The, the left wants the opposite. They want more laws and more punishments before people commit crimes and then almost no punishments after, okay. which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Okay, so why would they do that? Because it's not about the children. If it was about the children, you could have, you'd be pushing for more laws before and more laws after mm-hmm. and actually going after the Soros right. people who are letting all of these people go. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they don't do that. This is not about guns. This is about our country is, is likely to collapse and they need to make sure they don't have 350 million guns in the hands of 250 million people. That's what this is all about. This is all about their power. And let me just make a case. What was the balloon story about? I don't think we can tell you yet. We don't know. But it certainly wasn't about green aliens. Even though that's the step biden took on monday he started a ufo commission something that congress did three years ago we don't need another commission we've already got one well financed why would you do that because you really thought there were little green men that were invading us in hot air balloons i mean there is more of a chance that that was the wizard returning to the omaha state fair Same reason, same reason you're not hearing about this today. Jim Biden negotiated a deal with the Saudis because of his relationship to Joe Biden. He negotiated a hundred and forty million dollar deal with the Saudis. Nobody's talking about that today. Hunter Biden? No, I didn't see anything. What are you talking about? Of course not. Of course not. There's what? In fact, today. I'm going to get to this in a minute. The Washington Post is excusing people on the Hunter Biden laptop. They know they got it wrong. All of these stories, they have wrong. All of them from the beginning. And then they just keep moving the goalposts until finally there's just nothing. It's just a sieve and it's just leaking everywhere. And everybody knows, okay, well, that's not true. 
the FBI agents, see if this is a stunning, a stunning uh, uh revelation to you fbi agents misused fisa data to surveil a political party i wonder what party it was equal can't it was a democrat and here's what they said look the fbi it gets very complex the rules are often quote misunderstood those rules for Pfizer just misunder. It's not really hard. Do you have evidence and strong suspicion of a crime being committed with a foreign entity? If the answer is yes, okay, show me the evidence that you have and I'll give you a Pfizer warrant. There, that's it. That's it. That's how complex it is. FBI also came out and they said, uh, okay, all right, we've got, we had to search a long, long, long time uh, to find out all of those names that were, you know, John Doe's with Jeffrey Epstein. And it's taken us a long time and we're still not done with it, but we're going to release it here. Probably this year. Probably this year. What are you talking about? Probably this year. They haven't released any of the names. Now, so you know, these are just names of people that worked with him. Okay? Had connection. These are not the Johns. These are the people that work with him. We don't know who the Johns, even though they have the little black book, we have no idea whose name is on that. Why is that? Why don't we know the names of these very powerful people? You know, when Bill Clinton gets onto a plane on the Lolita Express and goes to Thailand with Jeffrey Epstein, I'm thinking maybe it wasn't for food. I'm just, do you like Thai food? Love Thai food. Let's just hop on the jet and go have some. Don't think so, but don't know. And why don't we know? We found out this week that one of the hosts on MSNBC did a critical look at Hillary Clinton when she was running. She's now just come out and said, by the way, I was told anything about Hillary Clinton had to come, had to go all the way up to the president of NBC to give approval for doing it. Why? What kind of news organization does that? The train update. We now know that officials buried the critical health risks until after the residents returned home. So we knew that it had vinyl chloride. They were going to burn that up. Everybody should get out of here. It's crazy. Then, all right, it's fine. <laughs> I'm going to tell you from, uh, well, I'll be in Columbus, but I'm going to tell you that part of Ohio, man, I would lick the grass. It's so healthy there. Everybody goes back, and then they say, oh, by the way, there was a few more chemicals. One of them was one that was used in World War I as a, as a killing agent, uh, but uh, don't worry about that. They told them after they went back in. Why? Why? 
Why isn't Pete Buttigieg being pilloried right now? What is the answer for this? Nobody in town is going to trust the EPA. No one's going to trust them. No one's going to trust anybody that says anything about the air quality. And then what will the media do? These people, they're just extremists. That's like those people who live near farms. They just don't believe anything. Yeah, why? Because you don't tell us the truth ever, ever. And then when it finally does come out that, oh, that's the truth. Here's the Washington Post. Republicans in the House are having an investigation in the collusion of the media, the Justice Department and intelligence officials as they censored the true story of the Biden family corruption right before the 2020 election. So now the Washington Post, it just matter of factly says the true story of the Biden corruption. Really? Because you were part of the group of people that would make sure we couldn't say that without being banned. Uh, now, uh, Glenn Kessler the designated fact checker at WAPO claiming intelligence officials who lied about Russian disinformation were very care- careful in their wording of that letter. Huh? So now the Washington post is saying, look, what they said was it has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. They never said it was Russian disinformation. Really? Now, every one of these media sources took that letter and turned it into a, a straight out but statement. That's not what these trusted officials were doing. And none of the trusted officials the- who were on those shows pushed back on it. They didn't say, oh, well, actually, you're going way too far here by saying it is Russian disinformation. They didn't push back on that point. And of course, everybody knows that. But well, apparently it's the game we have to play. It's the game that is being played. Now, here's the good news. All of this. For the very first time in modern history, uh, 48%, only 48% of American households have satellite or cable TV. Mm. We have, when I was in TV, what was that? Just, you know, 10 years ago, it was 96% of every household had cable or satellite. It's over. It is over. And they know it. And now they are grasping for anything to keep their head above water. Warning, when that happens, this is why you always stay in the boat. If somebody is drowning, don't jump in. They will push even friendlies down to save their own life. But it's collapsing quickly. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, Mortgage rates right now might uh, be actually lower than you think. They've been coming down lately. They're actually in the fives at the moment. Um, if it doesn't seem low to you, consider the credit card rate, which the average now is 21%. That's a ton of interest every time you swipe that thing. Most of them, most of us are swiping it a lot more than we used to. If you're a homeowner, maybe it's time to find the light at the end of the tunnel in the form of a cash out refi from American finance. You can take some cash out and even pay off that debt and you will save hundreds of dollars. The average person that is doing this now is saving $695, almost $700 every single month. Now, you could, be, you could end up being able to delay up to two mortgage payments, close in as little as 10 days, and have the cash to get out of that high-interest credit card. 
please consider it. American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. They're waiting for your call now. AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station. Oh, this is great. Leaders for the National Council of Occupational Safety and Health said today that OSHA's new rules are going to offer significant protection for immigrant workers, including those who are undocumented. This is a bold step forward, according to Jessica Martinez, including a step forward for the millions who are undocumented. These workers are essential to our economy and community, but all too often are victimized by unscrupulous employers. <laughs> These same employers frequently threaten to use immigration status as a way to silence workers and prevent them from speaking up about abusive and illegal practices in their workplaces. But now, now OSHA is granting them special visas so they're not undocumented. And they're doing that so they can keep everybody safe in the workplace. OSHA again. OSHA needs to be abolished. Period. Again, they're trying to get something through OSHA. They're making laws themselves. There is, there's, no, there's no elected representative doing any of this. They don't have to debate it. They decide they want, they got all these illegals. How can we make them citizens? We'll use it as a safety device. Yes, it will be safer in the workplace. Because if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel like they belong here, well, then they can be abused. Yeah, that is true. That's why we say they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be here. You, again, OSHA, you don't have the power to do these things. Well, they do, unless we stand up. OSHA must be abolished. Back in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Believe it or not, when things get really crazy and the dollar literally isn't worth the paper it's printed on, you're going to wish you would have taken the time to build a hedge against this inflation that is coming. Uh, at that point, it's likely too late. Um, you should spend some time now working to make sure that you and your family are prepared, no matter what comes our way. And one of the most important things you can do right now is call Goldline and just talk to them about putting a portion of whatever you have saved in your 401k or IRA into precious metals. Not all of it, a part of it. I've been telling you about Goldline because I trust them. I've done my homework. I use Goldline. I was a customer of theirs before they were buying commercials on my radio program. Goldline has a new Mayflower Silver Round, which I helped design because they love their clients. They're giving away a quarter ounce gold Mayflower Round 
with every box of Mayflower Silver Rounds that are purchased. No limit uh, to the number uh, eligible. You're not going to find free gold anyplace else. Call Goldline now. Take advantage of this special while it lasts. 866-GOLDLINE. That's 866-GOLDLINE. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you use the promo code Glenn, you'll save 10 bucks. We welcome to the program co-author Steve Dace, co-author of the uh, book, The Rise of the Fourth Reich. Um, now, I want to get the whole name right. The Rise of the Fourth Reich, confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. And in the press release, it does say, and I love this. I love, Steve, I love this. It says, the title of the book, and it says, this book does not pull any punches. So you're not <laughs> really the title says Nuremberg trials, but you're you're not going to hold back. You're not holding back. I find that surprising. Uh, so uh, so, Steve, you uh, you and uh, Daniel Horowitz did an awful lot of work uh, on this and laid out the case um, in a mock Nuremberg kind of trial. Can you first just tell people uh, what the Nuremberg laws are? Sure. There was really two sets of Nuremberg trials uh, after World War II, Glenn. And the more famous one, of course, is um, dealing with Nazi officials um, on the political and military end and their atrocities. But there were a separate set of trials that were held for what was categorized as kind of the biomedical fascist state. Um, the, that essentially, the entire healthcare sector was given over to the state as a means of procuring experiments and carrying them out uh, on the people. And out of those trials came what's known as the Nuremberg Code. Uh, and it's not really lengthy. It's a pretty short read. You know, Google it anytime that you want. And what you'll get to find, you'll read it in about 10 or 15 minutes. What you'll find is that basically every consonant, vowel, and syllable of the Nuremberg Code, which was designed to prevent something like what happened in Germany in the 30s and 40s from ever happening again, it stood up for about 75 years. And then every syllable, consonant, and vowel of that code, Glenn, was thrown out the window and trashed from March 16th of 2020 when the lockdowns began. And really, even up until now, um, you know, we have incredible data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics about a gigantic rise in disability claims uh, beginning in 2021, uh, starting in the fourth quarter. You see that this stat is pretty stable going back to 2008, and then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, it goes off the chain. Gee, what happened at the fourth quarter of 2021? I mean, it couldn't possibly be a jab mandate to force you to take a jab in order to work. And then a bunch of disabilities kicked in after that. It couldn't possibly be that. We have so much incredible data. There was a Michigan State study uh, that came out that found just through 2021, it estimated well over 200,000 uh, COVID deaths uh, in the country from the jab, COVID deaths in America from the jab. If you prorate that worldwide, it's something like seven and a half million deaths worldwide. And so whether it is the jabs, whether it's the virus themselves with the gain of function research, many of the same elements that pushed this uh, toxic jab on people um, are the same ones that were involved in committing or creating this chimeric concoction in Wuhan. And so they're kind of guilty and culpable on both ends of this spectrum. Uh, and then the lockdowns and the masks and everything else, we get into all of this in the book. 
And I think where this book really, it, you know, with me and Daniel, you're going to get a lot of data. You're going to get a lot of policy specifics. But where this book, I think, goes next level, Glenn, is the, is the meat of it in the middle. The personal testimonies, whistleblowers from the Department of Defense, from the healthcare sector, victims, people whose uh, children were, uh, were, you know, maimed, injured by the jab and can't get any relief. People whose loved ones died in the hospital because they wouldn't give them effective treatments. Uh, they were essentially medically kidnapped. Those testimonies in the middle, if you think this title is too provocative, and believe me, we did not utilize it lightly, okay? But if you think <laughs> the Nuremberg trials, pro- you didn't take yeah. Nuremberg trials lightly? Huh. Okay. No. no. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> you, you know me, master of subtlety, right? Yeah, but if right. You, if, if, if you read uh, and, and listen to these people and their suffering and the suffering that they witnessed inflicted on others, you read these testimonies, you will see that we not only didn't oversell uh, what has happened here, if anything, we've undersold it. Okay, so uh, help me out, because Nuremberg trial, the Nuremberg uh, rules are very, very clear, as you said. And Washington Post has come out and said, this is not a violation of the Nuremberg Code, because these studies were done before they were released on the public. How do you answer that? Um, you lost me at Washington Post. Yeah, I know, uh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but 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 one of the one of the really at the heart of the Nuremberg Code is the idea of informed consent, the idea of transparency, the idea that you don't force people into a medical experiment. We did that. I'll give you. I'll, I'll prove it to you right here. On August sixth of two thousand twenty-one. Now, admittedly, Glenn, this occurred on CNN, which means a lot of people didn't see it. OK, so this is going to be news to people. All right. On Even August less are seeing it now. <laughs> on August 6th of 2021, Rochelle Walensky went on with Wolf Blitzed and admitted that with the advent of the Delta variant, the vaccines no longer stymie the transmission of the vac- of the of the, of the uh, virus. They're no longer a traditional inoculation definition of a vaccine. She went on to say that even the vaccinated now could get COVID and then spread the virus. She said this on August 6th. So right away, whatever medical, before we get to the constitutional question, whatever medical necessity emergency that would have you contemplate the ethics of imposing this experimental substance on billions of people across the globe is already out the window. It won't even stop the spread of what we claim to be afraid of. She admitted this. Almost one month later to the very day she admitted that is when Joe Biden issued his anti-constitutional, detestable executive order on COVID man, on, on the COVID jab, which he said for the entire year he had no power to do. And then out of nowhere, almost exactly one month later, after his CDC admitted the jab doesn't work, that's when he actually said, you can't go to work unless you take the jab. That is a clear violation of the Nuremberg Code and proves, once again, which isn't hard to do, that the Washington Post doesn't know what the Sam Hill they're talking right. about, or okay. they're just lying. So tell me, do you, do you draw any conclusions on what the motivation would be? I think there's lots of motivations. And I think when you get into, and we ask this question in this book a lot, what's the benign, innocent explanation for these things? We ask this question a lot. We ask questions like, how come they never turn back? Because some people are going to say, hey, this thing is an emergency. It got thrust on us. We got blindsided right. by it. Fine. How come they never voluntarily said, oh, we went too far with that? How come they're still in court trying to fight to put masks on people on planes? Okay, they never voluntarily pulled back. 
every time they pulled back, back, Glenn, it's because the people either resisted to the point it wasn't enforceable or the courts made them do it. OK, they never said, oh, you know what, guys, we got that one wrong. All right. We had to sue to get Pfizer's documentation. They wanted those hidden for over for about 75 years. They, they never showed any empathy, any transparency or any humility at all, unless it was forced on them, which shows you there aren't any benign and innocent explanations. And the, and the best we could come up with, and it won't necessarily give you the warm fuzzy, is that this is just good old fashioned greed, mind numbing greed. If that's the best we're hoping for, then all the other ones are a little bit you know, further down the rabbit hole, my friend. So do you have uh, we're talking to Steve Dace. He's Blaze TV show uh, host of the Steve Dace show, follows this program every day on Blaze TV. He's uh, also uh, the co-writer, the co-author of The Rise of the Fourth Reich. Um, Steve, d- 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 when you're um, uh, looking at all of this evidence, is there any uh, real tangible hope that anybody's going to be held responsible? I think the, the, the biggest difficulty with this is really not in the political system. Uh, it's with the people. And, you know, we did the, uh, the jab special. Uh, I hosted it with Jason Whitlock here earlier this month here on Blaze TV. And Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who has just been Joan of Arc level of hero on this. And I asked him, you know, what's the critical mass? And, and, and he said, well, yet a first Nuremberg, because Ike, threw open the camps and forced the world to see what went on there. And he brought it to a critical mass. And, and Ron said, you know, when you have less than 15% of American adults didn't take any of this gene juice, a lot of people are like, man, I don't want to believe I am a ticking time bomb. I don't want to believe I'm the next collapse suddenly. I don't want to believe I'm the next died suddenly. I mean, we have one of our colleagues here at Blaze TV on his show saying he thinks he's vaccine injured. Okay, we, we, I don't want to be the next one who finds out a year later, six months later, that it's me. And so let me just move on. Let's pretend like this never happened and get on with real life. I think that, mm. Glenn, there's so many people that were betrayed into buying into this that I think it's the masses of the people that really don't want to come to grips yet with the full scope of what happened here. Well, the book went on sale yesterday. Um, grab your copy now. This is one of those things that I would also urge you to get a, a paper copy of. Uh, things can be deleted online, but I would have a paper copy of this. Order it wherever you get your books. The Rise of the Fourth Reich uh, by Steve Dace and uh, and also um, uh, Daniel Horowitz. Make sure you grab your copy now. Steve, we'll look forward to hearing from you here in just a few minutes on Blaze, uh, the Blaze TV network. You bet, brother. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. Uh, all right. Let me tell you about Rough Greens. Uh, rough Greens. It's a supplement you put on the dog's food. And uh, if you have a finicky eater like I did, Uno, gosh, he was like he would just never eat. Then we started putting rough greens on his food. And I don't know what it tastes like because I'm not going to try it because it's green and it just doesn't look like anything I would ever want to eat. It's green. Could be lettuce. I still don't want to eat it. Anyway. Um, Uno loves it and will lick the bowl clean. It's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. The difference in him has been nothing short of profound. Now, will it work for your dog? I hope so. If your dog likes it, they'll wolf this stuff down. Let's make sure they like it first. Get the first bag free. It's a trial bag. You just go to roughgreens, R-U-F-F, greens.com slash Beck. They'll give you the, the first bag free 
Just pay for shipping. Go to roughgreens.com slash Beck, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Beck, or call 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, 833-GLEN-33, roughgreens.com slash Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Nikki Haley now is officially announcing her presidential bid. Um, she's kicking off her, her campaign rally. Uh, now she's on all of the uh, all of the news networks. I, you know, I, I like Nikki Haley. I know a lot of people don't necessarily trust her because, you know, the way it ended with with Donald Trump. But I think she's solid. I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says. Um, but I do think she's solid and I really, uh, encourage you to understand that this program wants to be friends toward all enemy of none, because this <laughs> is in your hands. And so we're going to interview all of them and we'll be fair with all of them. We'll ask tough questions of all of them and be fair with all of them, um, point out their good things. Um, but yeah. This is a very important election. I mean, it it has the possibility of being our last. Yeah, and I think Nikki Haley has a road that's not easy when it comes to winning the nomination. Though yeah. she also is a serious person and should be, she's the type of person you'd expect to get into a race like this. Yeah. Had a good run as governor, uh, has some foreign policy experience. She's kind of right in the pocket of what you'd th- someone you'd she, think would run. I thought she was great in the United Nations. Mm. Man, she took... I remember my favorite U.N. ambassador. Come on, think of yours right now. Okay, let's say it together. Gene Kirkpatrick. Gene Kirkpatrick. I was too late. (laughs) Nobody has a favorite U.N. ambassador. I happen to. Hmm. Gene Kirkpatrick, I love. She was with Reagan. And she was tough as nails. She didn't give any room. Uh, And it's the same thing with Nikki. She did not give any room to anybody. Yeah, uh, at the UN. She did a great job, I thought. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, she is going to have to... I mean, look, I think she's been campaigning for a while. This is the start of her campaign in oh, yeah. in, real, in yeah. you know, formal yeah, yeah, yeah. terms. But, I mean, she's been working this for a while. And, and she's someone I think can be taken seriously. We talked about this yesterday where you have a couple of people at the top and then you have a but you're going to have probably a dozen other people vying to either be vice president or to try to catch lightning in a bottle and rise from that second from that fourth but fifth sixth do per, you think up to that third tier type of person do you think there is anyone though that could beat either DeSantis or Trump for that nomination uh, it's going to be one of those two I'm convinced of it I mean, it's unlikely. First of all, obviously, DeSantis has to actually run, which we do very much assume he is. Going He's to going do. to run. He's going to run. So, taking that that formality out of the out of the picture, I it would be surprising to me if this runs just like, for example, uh, the Bush McCain race, where no one else makes any noise, right? Like, it would be surprising if we go through this entire year and no one has a big moment, no one has a moment in the debates that gets people talking. No one has that moment where they rise, let's say, into double digits. 
Right now, it's nobody. The only person who ever hits double digits in these polls, other than the top two, is occasionally Mike Pence will do it. And I don't think anybody believes that's real. No. Because Pence is, you know, he he's no longer a friend of many hardcore Trump supporters. Right. Which, which if Trump's in the race, makes it impossible uh, for him to, to get up there, I, th- I would think. I, you know, I, and he's also not electric. You know, I mean, Mike Pence did some good things, I think, in office. No, and and he's I, a good guy. I, I generally like him, but he's not yeah. the type of person who's going to take the, the country by storm. And I don't know of, I mean, you know, first of all, we know that Donald Trump will clean house. We know that. Um, but he's got to have an incredible team around him to be able to cut the right places, the right time and, and prioritize. If you're going to get rid of the deep state, man. It's going to take every bit of political capital that you have and you just got to go for it. Um, and I think DeSantis could do that wants to do that but again you're walking into a new job with new realities even donald trump said i had no idea how bad it was um and i don't know if anybody unless you experience it really understands but who is going to work with donald trump because i mean would nikki take a vice presidential role if she happened to be the big you know the big number two and it was donald trump or she was number three would he take her on I don't think he would. I don't think Donald Trump would. I, mean, I think it's honestly more likely to be a DeSantis that would take a Nikki yeah. Haley. Um, but uh, Nikki Haley, if she is, you know, gets to that point where she's VP, she will be highly considered. Unless she, she, unless she just runs a terrible campaign, which is possible. Trump doesn't trust anybody. He shouldn't. I don't trust anybody. But I'd like to know, who do you trust? I'd like to see his team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who do you trust? Who are you going to put into these big roles in your cabinet that's just going to shut them down? The Glenn Beck Program.